This July, Cobra will again turn the world blue. Cobra Convergence is an annual month-long event when G.I. Joe fans from around the world come together to celebrate G.I. Joe's enemy, Cobra! 31 days, 38 presenters, including podcasts, YouTube channels, toy photography, and more. The G.I. Joe fan community will present special Cobra content every day in July. Cobra! And that sound means the start of the 51st Missile for the Masses. I am your host, Gary, and this is the Chaplain's Assistance Motorpod. If this is your first time listening, this is the podcast where I take a look at a G.I. Joe vehicle, playset, or even a trailer from the A Real American Hero toy line from 1982 to present day, focusing mainly on the three and three quarter and four inch scales. But that's not to say I will look at other things as well. Also, I talk a little bit about what's going on in my life of collecting, whether that be mailaways, mail calls, news, comics, as it relates to G.I. Joe and other similar military and adventure toy lines. This is my final podcast for the month of July. This has been Cobra Convergence 7. Last missile was my Cobra Convergence 7 special. But as always, I try to keep the entire month in theme. And I would like to once again thank Hooded Cobra Commander 788 for formally inviting me to the Convergence this year. And if you do like my podcast and if you're looking for more G.I. Joe related content creators, whether that be podcasts, YouTube, blogs, vlogs, and what have you, hcc788.com has a comprehensive list of all the presenters for Cobra Convergence 7. We all produce G.I. Joe content year-round, so it's a great way that if you're looking for more G.I. Joe content to get a sneak peek and find something else to hopefully enjoy as you're enjoying the Chaplin Sisters Motor Pod. At least I hope so. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. In Kickstarter news, the In the Navy O-Ring action figure Kickstarter has funded at over $27,000 at time of recording. There is a couple hours left, and I know by the time I get done editing, this will be over. What that means is that six figures have unlocked. There is allegedly something going on for the backer kit, so there might be possibilities of More figures being added later on. But currently, right now, there are six figures available. And that's the three different sailors and the deck crew, ketchup, mustard, and relish. I put my hat in the ring for 10 figures. Uh, Looking forward to seeing how it comes out. Uh, Would like to staff my deck with a larger variety of naval crew. I still have grandiose ideas for my basement, which I'm getting some increasing heat to cleaning up. And I wish this Kickstarter well and can't wait to see these things get produced. 
much like Call Sign Longbow and Operation Recall. Now back to G.I. Joe. In mail call news, I managed to finally score a loose complete Nitro Viper. It was on the way as of last recording, and it is in my hands right now. And I have to admit, the orange version of the track fiber is a handsome fellow, even better out of the package. I decided to keep my other one in the package. His fate is still uncertain. I still might open him up. I do think that the Cobra Devastator would look better with two Nitro Vipers. And I already own two. So my next decision would be, do I open up the second one or leave him sealed? Still up in the air, still lots of things to do as I curate my O-ring collection. I have to admit, it is a welcome addition to the Neon 90s, and I am glad I sprung for him. Now in G.I. Joe Classified news, I have not yet really stopped collecting G.I. Joe Classified. I just cut back a bit on my pre-orders. Because let me tell you, this previous wave really sunk my wallet big time. And normally I'd be a little more annoyed than I usually am. But the good thing, the good problem to have is this has really been a solid wave of action figures for me. I have some real favorites this wave, some good surprises. And I'm going to talk about two of them, the Cobras from the current wave of G.I. Joe Classified. And let me start with the Copperhead figure. And I will definitely say that both of these figures I'm going to talk about today are six-inch upscalings of their original three-and-three-quarter brethren with mild updates. Copperhead is a good build. He has armbands that are accessories. He's got a gun holster on his right hip and a knife sheath on his left. I like the leather grain, maybe you'd call it gator grain, on his pistol holster, while the knife sheath seems to be, you know, it's molded in black, but it looks to be a much cleaner leather build. He's got a nice web gear with even even smaller pistol in its holster that's not removable. Some good paint apps. The Ace of Spades tattoo on his right wrist, his forearm, it would be underside where, you know, in line with his palm. If he was a real person, it looks really good, you know, really hints at his gambling nature. The helmet, while it is an upscaling, it does have some additional details in the mouthpiece. You know, a little black guard that gives it almost like a rebreather look with some other silver accents, almost making it look like a hybrid motocross water helmet his accessories of a sight of a luger pistol that goes into his right hip holster and then he has a machete which goes into his knife sheath over his left hip you know they fit very well the one weird thing the almost i don't know question and i think it's because Copperhead really doesn't have a lot of accessories in his original release. In reality, he was a driver only, so he had no accessories. 
But whereas the Python Patrol Copperhead had essentially a remold of Leatherneck's machine gun and backpack, Classified Copperhead has, again, another gator grain pistol holster that plugs into his backpack with six silver-tipped bullets that adorn it. And then he has a revolver with a scope attached. It's a nice piece. It is well detailed with the black grip and the black scope on a gunmetal gray painted mold. You know, it's a little bit flexible plastic. It's not as hard plastic as some of the other six-inch action figure lines would have. But it goes in there neatly. And I will say I do enjoy the addition of the clasp on both the gun holsters. However, I found the clasps, and I've only had them open for about a couple hours now. A little tough to snap, but I'm glad they're there. I'm sure they're going to work in their way soon. But the only thing is, with some of the other figures coming with loads of accessories, I can only think that Copperhead is light on accessories because he would be the value figure in the line. You know, something like, you know, like the crystal ball or, you know, frostbite. We only came with one accessory while the rest of the line came with heavier with accessories to keep the line in price. So maybe Copperhead is the cheaper to produce figure that allowed another figure to maintain the same price point for all the figures in the wave. That's not to say that I don't like him. That's not to say that I'm not surprised. I didn't, I'm not a huge Copperhead guy, but opening him up and having him out, I like him a lot more. I don't know where he's going to fit in my display or how I'm going to do it. But right now, you know, I'm glad I took him out of the box. He's better out of the box as far as I'm concerned than, than in. Now, the, the deluxe figure for this wave is Scrap Iron. And I know there's a lot of Scrap Iron fans in the audience. I know of a few friends of mine that are big Scrap Iron fans. And I have to say that the deluxe figure Scrap Iron really knocked it out of the park in terms of detail and just adding more to the Scrap Iron character rather than just more than just an upscaling. Again, you have his drone, which now is a drone. It's not just a missile stand. The individual legs of the tracks are articulated along with the missile box being able to move left and right and up and down. So it's everything's on ball joints. It's a really modern way to convey this futuristic weapon system. It comes with blast effects. So the missiles have the missile tails, which peg into the missile box as well, which gives it that firing effect. And he comes with four blast effects for artillery rounds. Everything seems to be well-made and adds to a diorama. Now, controlling this drone is essentially a tablet kind of remote with two antennas. And Scrap Iron does come with a semi-automatic pistol. 
He's got red web gear for his lower half strapped around his legs and his waist. And he has his telltale red vest, which is a separate piece from his torso. He's a well-molded figure. I like his build. I like the fact that he has a red undershirt underneath the blue uniform shirt, which is, again, underneath that red vest. And his body overall is an upscaling of his original figure. However, the big thing with Scrap Iron is his removable helmet and the scarring on Scrap Iron's head and face. On his right side of his head, he has several scars, one going down the front of his face across his right eye and down his right temple towards the back of his head. And on the left side of his head is a giant burn, much like Art and Senna. And it's just, it's ugly without being gruesome. His left eye is squinting, I would say probably because of his injuries. You know, he's got a weathered face. He looks older. He's got a military-style haircut. And it just really conveys a veteran. It really conveys somebody that has really been through the works during his tenure as a soldier. There's a lot of character in this head sculpt. The removable helmet, the only thing that really can make this removable helmet better, and it doesn't even need to be because it's such a strong figure otherwise, is just see-through goggles. Other than that, even the stylized Cobra logo over the goggles is still there. Overall, I think he just looks terrific. He is a display unto himself. He's going to look really good on my shelf, and I can't wait to pair him up with Firefly. My G.I. Joe classified Cobra Island Firefly is tucked away in his original box. We do have the other Firefly eventually coming out that's more 1984 inspired. And I'm looking forward to that because that's the pair that killed Candy and the Soft Master and cost Billy his eye and his leg. So there's some big comic book memories tied into this character. And I'm happy to have them in classified form. This is really, the, for me, the big win from G.I. Joe Classified. I've been eyeing the 1990 Cobra Piranha for a review. It's been hanging out near my flag for a while now, ripe for an excuse to play with and enjoy and talk about. In reality, what's going on is... If you have satellite radio and you have the right subscription, you can listen to Yacht Rock Radio. And I have a couple guys at work that leave it on. And also I listen to it at home um, because my wife has it on. So with that inspiration, it's time I took a better look at 1990s Cobra Piranha. And what better way to start talking about the Cobra Piranha by taking a look at Three and Three Quarter Joe, Volume Two, now creating GI Joe by Dan Klingensmith. And if you haven't gotten these books yet, I just got number twelve in the mail today. I am really stoked. I can't wait to read it from cover to cover, and I can't wait to also go back and keep rereading these volumes as well. They're really informative. I can't talk enough about them. But in a nutshell, without taking too much 
from what Klingensmith published is David Kunitz designed this boat and it was a result of the G.I. Joe Devilfish because apparently small boats play better in bathtubs. And there is some great, there's a great breakdown sketch from Hasbro in there and also detail sketches for the build and decals of the boat as well in this book. I got to admit, it is a great resource when you're looking at these G.I. Joe toys from the Real American Hero, 82 to 94 years. There is just so much to glean and grab. And also why it helps me respect the amount of work that goes into these plastic toys. As always, I take start by taking a look at the cover of the box. And the cover of the box shows the Cobra Piranha, a depth charge firing sea marauder being piloted in the water by a range viper. And the range viper's got his left hand on the control panel and the right hand on the machine gun. And you get to see a depth charge popping out of the socket, launching a missile, you know, just it's really in action of play. And really, it's a, it's a great painting, looks good. Um, the only thing, you know, that I could say is, is the Range Viper the guy you, you would have piloting the Cobra Piranha? Now, this is 1990, and they are going to show 1990 figures with it. So, the Range Viper doesn't look out of place. I guess what I could say is, I'll allow it. Now, the back of the box, you go around the box and uh, we'll talk about it. You know, it's pointing out the four detachable short-range torpedoes that are mounted on top of the rear spoiler. You have the antenna, the airfoil, which I just call the spoiler, and then we have the two pivoting machine guns, two detachable long-range torpedoes, the hull floats, that's important, and depth charge device fires two depth charges. The other thing I would say about this back of the box is it is showing indeed a pre-production or prototype Cobra Piranha. With the addition of the Piranha to Cobra's fast attack naval forces, Cobra can sink any G.I. Joe vessel on the high seas within seconds. Now, I would just like to point out that any G.I. Joe vessel would include the USS flag. So let's take a look at the blueprints and decide if it can really do what they're saying right there. All right, taking a look at the Cobra Piranha, we have 10 points to look at. And number one are the surface skimming low noise concussion missile. Now, these are the missiles that are located on top of the air spoiler or the airfoil. Now, interesting enough, there's also two of them on the bottom of the boat. So there's four total. I like the fact that they are, there's four of them. I like the fact that there's two on top, two on the bottom. That means it's kind of like a multi-purpose roll. Interesting thing about these is the front fins are parallel or straight. So that would basically guide it, you know, straight through the water. So there's one on top, one on bottom. Now the tail fins for these low noise concussion missile are canted, which to me would lead to a rotating action as it flies through the water or air, however you play with this. 
So that would be like throwing a football or throwing a football well. And it's American football or rugby. They're good missiles molded in yellow. Minor details, basically, you know, resembling that of a shark with gills. Gills on the front, gills on the back. Then we'll go to number two, the supercharged engine thruster with high energy output. And that is basically what would look like the tail end of a jet engine, much like on the, the Dreadnought Thunder Machine. And it's great because if you turn it around, you can see the blades of this engine thruster. It has good detail. It's molded in that same yellow. And really, there's only two colors on the Piranha. This deep maroon and the yellow accessories. So everything on this boat is either going to be one of the two colors. Next up, we have the number three. The lightweight, double-reinforced, anti-torpedo missile hull. All right, so the only thing I would wonder, and I'm not really a naval expert by any stretch of the ma imagination, but I would like to know how a the hull of a boat can be considered anti-torpedo. Uh, I personally am anti-torpedo, but if a torpedo hits me, I'm sunk, to put it mildly. That's kind of uh, like a what-the thing. It's double-reinforced. Brings me to thinking about Titanic. Or, you know, the Titan. So does that mean if one section of the hull get breached, this still floats and fights on? And then on top of it, it's lightweight. So maybe it's made out of carbon fiber. Don't know. It is a, you know, just nice basically saying, hey, this boat is a real boat. And that's one thing I love about G.I. Joe toys is as much as they are toys, but they are what they are. So this is a boat and it really is a boat. And it's designed to float. Next up, we have the Speed Enhancing Accelerator Spoiler, or the airfoil, as it's called in the back. Again, the little yellow spoiler that reminds me that this is like a little speedboat or a little like cigarette boat. I mean, it is powered by a jet engine, but we'll get back to that. Number five is the Advanced Angle of Attack Techno Cockpit. So Techno Cockpit makes me think of Techno Viper. And where it's pointing to in the cockpit is the seat. So this Techno Cockpit is a yellow seat. It has a slot for the black clip, which was common in the 1990 vehicles. They had moved away from the seat belts and started using action figure clips. We have some nice detail along the side for controls or you know like warnings or just just detail that makes it feel realistic in there and then a part of the cockpit that they don't point on the blueprints is essentially the control panel with a myriad of gauges that are all molded into the hull's red plastic the only thing missing is essentially a throttle lever and a steering wheel to actually steer the boat. So there's no rudder control or nothing obvious. It has a little bit of a, I guess for lack of a better term, windscreen to protect, you know, the driver's face. And looking into the cockpit, into the footwell, you have essentially a left and right pedal or footrest for the character to put his feet against, which makes me ask the question, is that the steering? Is it 
left-right steering mechanism and throttle control. I mean, this is Cobra. They do do things unorthodoxly. But it must make it hell to train these guys. Above the gauge panel, there's another nice little detail that, personally, I would have made a little bit bubbled, and I would have called it my compass. Overall, it's a solid cockpit. It has enough detail to really sell this or be have that model aesthetic while still being a toy. We go on to number six, the high-velocity pinpoint self-implementing target sighting depth charge launcher. The depth charges are these two little barrels, one on each side, roughly about where the shoulder of your action figure would sit, and they just pop out with your fingers. It's almost finger flick technology. There's no lever or anything to pop them off with, but it's just two little pegs. They slide, it pegs in between them, and, it, and they just pop out. So it's very, I guess for lack of a better term, depth chargery. Number seven is the fully accessible pop-in, pop-out machine gun emplacement station. These machine gun emplacement stations, I know they're pop-in, pop-out, and they do pull out with relative ease. They have little pegs on the inside for your character to hold on to those with their hands. The only thing I have is I didn't need the pop-in, pop-out feature. That That's a little too gimmicky, but they have nice detail they have nice air cooling near the bottom or the back of the barrel. They have a, essentially looks like an open breech with a ramp for the machine gun ammo to pop out or the brass. It's well detailed with even like a little sighting mechanism molded on. These are really good machine guns for the Piranha. It's nice. There's one on each side and they swivel too. So they move about 75 degrees you know, from forward being zero, and then they move 75 degrees towards the flanking position. What I would say the high maneuverability of the Piranha would make up for the need to have these be fully like 180 degree swiveling machine guns. Also, the fact that the handle on these is on the inside, to swivel them outward, your pilot is going to have to push forward. So it makes it much more ergonomic for the character you have piloting the piranha as well number eight is the side mounted subsurface torpedo launch tab this is one i think is a mistake because they're literally pointing out the dog bone peg on each side that is just odd they don't they point out the peg but they don't point out really the missile now the missile obviously is the side mounted subsurface torpedo and it has a nice little checkerboard sticker that goes around it. it. has nice little detail in the middle. little mechanical. Not so much aerodynamic. I would expect the torpedoes to be a little more hydrodynamic. And it, again, does the thing with the fins where if this was to be in the water and this was coming towards you, it would spin around like a football. Again, American football. It's a solid design for these torpedoes and... I'm happy they're talking about them, but they're, you know, like I said, the, number eight's pointing at the tab. It's not just not pointing at the, the lonely torpedo in the lower right-hand corner of the blueprint. Number nine points out to one of the six vents. There's three vents on each side of the hull. At the top of the hull is, they're calling it out, the 12,000 horsepower 
hydraulically energized aqua power plant. And I'm just thinking they're pointing to the wrong thing here. I'd point to that jet engine in the back, the jet engine that is literally right behind the pilot seat. And then finally, we get to the multi-docking joint hookup, which are essentially these two cleats on either side of the hull. They're eyelets. They are large enough to get a decent string through, but we're talking string, not like yarn, but it is really nice to have something where if you were to build a floating diorama, this literally would work well in the dynamics with water. Now, when it comes to piloting the Piranha, I really have two good choices from the O-ring lines. And my first two choices, my first choice was I do like this maroon color. And this maroon color makes me think of one sub-team in particular I don't talk about too much, but that is Python Patrol. In 1989, there was one pilot included in the Python Patrol, and that was Copperhead. And Copperhead stands out with his yellow helmet and his green outfit with his black vest and, and his red web gear holding his pistol. But there was another pilot in 2003 that really is known as a pilot. It was the 2003 Python Patrol Lamprey. And that's who I use. And he has a nice blue face mask on his helmet. Really stands out. Really looks good. But again... Copperhead doesn't look out of line either. Those are my two favorite choices or my two current favorite choices to pilot the Piranha. The Piranha to me is a very, for the most part, realistic. If the Thunder Machine can have a jet engine, then a boat can have a jet engine. This jet engine, you know, the, it's basically molded in yellow, has good detail around it, and the supporting detail on the red hull adds to it as well. So this looks like a real serviceable, for lack of a better term, jet boat. Now the box says it is a fast attack part of Cobra's naval forces. Now I can totally believe that. I would even go so far to say as, you know, it's fast attack, high maneuverable. Um, the jet engine, you know, the faster you go, the sh turns that you do can't be as sharp. But I think with the speed, you know, able to fire, I think this is a worthy naval battle boat in the Cobra Forces. It does encourage fast play, and it is, again, small enough to fit in a bathtub. But it's also large enough where I'm holding it now in my adult hand, and it doesn't feel small. While it is a smaller vehicle, it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't appear that way. Obviously, Cobra's biggest boat, the Moray, is much larger. But that also has a larger crew as well. This is a single-seater. But for a single-seat boat, for the way the G.I. Joe line was moving, especially in 1990, this seems bigger. It seems more substantial. And... On the box, it was only two flag points. So we're talking that this is in the realm of two action figures in price. Now, the claim. Would it sink 
any G.I. Joe vessel on the high seas within seconds. Well, I think it would be a worthy adversary for the devilfish. But I think it would have a hard time with the whale. It definitely would have a hard time with the USS Flag. I think the strength of some of these smaller vehicles is always in numbers. It's been a common theme I've been exploring lately. But this one isn't like, oh, it's a Cobra Pogo. So you want to have a swarm of Pogos attacking something and or buzz bores or Cobra rats. And those are kind of fantastical vehicles. This is like you can see on the high seas, you know, even if you're not talking terrorists, you're talking pirates. You can see pirates swarming targets, much like the bad guys in Waterworld. You know, I can see this is a little te more technically advanced than Waterworld, so I'm not going to expect Dustin Hoffman with an eye patch on it. But this fits that techno viper, you know, that more high technology concept that Cobra was becoming in the 90s rather than like a grassroots terrorist organization. But if you were to put a Dreadnought or something or someone else in this, you know, Florida man would be at home in this boat. I like the Cobra Piranha. Again, the size means for the play pattern, you know, you're swarming in this. This isn't like a reconnaissance boat. This is a high speed fast attack boat and it is designed for combat. It's something that's going to stand out once it enters the fray. With that out of the way, out of zero to five airfoils with zero being, why did they even put the effort into this? There's no effort into this. And five meaning that this is the one of the best G.I. Joe vehicles from the Real American Hero toy line. This is a four and a quarter out of five airfoils. There is enough detail that makes this awesome. The color isn't garish, even the yellow. I'm not even, the yellow is that kind of burnt yellow. It is just a solid boat. I think that it, it belongs in just about any Cobra naval collection. And, and if you don't have one, I think it would only add to that collection as well. So I'm really happy to finally talk about this guy and to give it my high praise as I think it deserves. Thank you for listening to the Chaplain's Assistance Motorpod. I have been your host, Gary. And once again, this has been July and it's been Cobra Convergence Month. And this is the final missile for the masses this month. Again, thanks to Hooded Cobra Commander 788 for doing this every year. For more Motorpod, you can follow me on social media at Chaplain Joe Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Threads. If you'd like to email me, it's chaplainjoepod at gmail.com. Please like, share, subscribe, or rate this podcast on whichever podcast platform you are listening to. It only helps improve and grow this podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, our host, you can look at the poll or answer the questions that accompany this. The Chaplain Sisters Motor Pod is the strange, but not as strange, nerdy little brother of the pint, a pop culture podcast. 
And I was just on there talking about another boat, this time the Mammoth, the large Titanic, the movie from 1997. It's a little saltier language than what I use here. You can find The Pint on social media and Instagram by just searching The Pint, a pop culture podcast. And now one final message for the masses. Be decent to one another.